is my favorite day. <laughs> this is the best day of my week. I love being with you guys. I love worshiping the Lord with my, with my church family. So why don't we go ahead and greet one another as we always do, making sure everyone feels welcomed. Amen? Make it happen. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, new community. Hi, good morning. I love seeing our church. It's so warm and friendly. And um, Well, if you're new, again, welcome. Love to have you. My name is Kurt Schnabel. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I've been gone for a couple Sundays. Had a good honeymoon, so glad to be back, even though it was good to be gone where I was. I mean, whatever, that sounded bad. All right, we have a few announcements this morning. Um, but before I get to that, let you know, uh, you can uh, begin preparing your giving at this time. We have the giving envelopes here. And then also you can uh, fill out your Connect card. This is how we stay in touch with 
you concerning things. Um, you can put prayer requests, questions for us in the office, um, and just different items you would like to note for us and help us make sure we can contact you. So please fill out your Connect card. Deb would get really mad for me if I didn't mention that because <laughs> she goes through them. It's like, Kurt, not that many people. I'm like, sorry, I told him. But um, we have a couple announcements. The first announcement is this month we are raising money to build a home in Haiti. Uh, our very own Trevor Williams has started his own nonprofit organization called Firm Foundation, and their desire is to help uh, the many homeless in Haiti due to the earthquake uh, some years ago that are still homeless to get a home, get a home for cheap, get a home that is built by Haitians so it also brings jobs uh, to the people in Haiti. And our month, this is our push. We want to build one home. A home costs $2,400. We have raised $600, so give yourselves a hand. You know, that's uh, 25% at least. And uh, we have two Sundays left in this month for our month campaign for Firm Foundation. So we encourage you, if every person gave about $20 towards this, it would really help out. Um, it would be a blessing. And we have our little... Um, if you just have, we're encouraging kids to get their change, and if you have change, you can just put in the bucket back there, or you could put in your giving envelope and mark it for a firm foundation. Uh, next Sunday, we're actually doing a kind of a pizza lunch fundraiser right here. So right after church, we're going to have food. Isn't that awesome? Um, they ate a lot in the Bible, and I'm down with that. So uh, we're going to do that after church, and we're going to do it as part of a fundraiser. So uh, we're buying it from a place that's already going to take some of the proceeds we put towards the pizza and put that towards um, a firm foundation. But we also want to be able to give above and beyond that because it's only about 10% of what we buy from the pizza place that they're going to give to firm. And so we're actually going to be doing about, uh, it's going to be around like $5 for a couple slices and salad and um, soda. So bring money, bring, we will take checks too. Uh, I'm just letting you know those so you don't come like, well, I didn't know. I, I wasn't ready. Well, now you know. Now you'll be ready. Um, next Sunday, we'll have um, the pizza in the back after church. Before church, uh, Lynn's doing selling baked goods, and she's selling baked goods today as well to raise money for Firm Foundation. If you want to help her bake some goods, by the way, she would love to have people help with that, whether you help her in her kitchen or just do it in your own kitchen more than welcome to. Uh, let Lynn know that. Lynn's in the back right by the door. Um, that was Firm Foundation. Uh, for our encounter, so this coming Tuesday, we have our Encounter God Night. And what that is, is a evening of prayer and worship, of spending time with the Lord. You know, and you might say, why are we doing this? Which sounds like a funny question in church. Why, why are we praying? But why are we setting aside time extra from Sunday morning to do this. And the reason is, one, ultimately, Dave felt from the Holy Spirit that we were supposed to do this, that we were supposed to, uh, once a month, uh, spend time where we corporately engage with God. I mean, we're a church. We, we spend time with the Lord daily as a, as a body. But there's something unique when we come together and cry out to the Lord, one, in intimacy, just to say, God, you are worthy. We love you. But in that place of love and worship, it's kind of like when a child's loved by their parent. When they really know their love, they know they can get things out of dad. And I don't say that in a way that we're manipulating God. It's just, it makes sense that in this loving relationship, we're like, Father, you love this city. We want you to move in this city. Father, you love the people who live in Glendora and San Dimas and Covina and Laverne and Azusa and all this whole surrounding area. You love L.A. And... You can't get close to the heart of God without getting close to his heart for, for people that don't know him. And so, one, we felt like the Lord told us to do this, one, just to get closer to him, but two, because he wants to usher something in our church, but also in this area that is something bigger than ourselves, and we need the Lord to do that. So we're going to spend um, this Tuesday and then subsequent times once a month where we get together for about an hour and a half and we worship the Lord, and then we cry out, and we say, God, you want to do this, so we're not begging you to do something you don't want to do, but we invite you to do what you want to do. That's what prayer is. You pray the will of God. That's his will. He wants to move. Um, revival has always been preceded by prayer, and so we're just doing what's been done by believers throughout history. 
Um, and then the last thing I want to mention with this is that uh, Dave has also felt like the Lord wants us to fast the Sundays that we do our encounter God this Sunday. The days we do our encounter God, they might be Tuesday, they might be Sunday. And again, fasting is not about manipulating. Uh, it's really just a biblical example Jesus gave us of what it means to be a laid-down lover. He said, you know, when the, when the bridegroom's taken away, then you will fast. It's an expression of our love to him. I know in our Western mind, it doesn't make sense. Why would I abstain from food and my love for God? I don't fully understand why. He just said, do it, and I do it, okay? And Davis felt like the Holy Spirit has called us to do it. Um, I'm not saying there's not more to learn about it. Uh, but I want to encourage you, either Monday, Tuesday, you can fast a meal. You can fast one day. You can fast two days. Um, you know, you could fast meats. However the Lord puts it on your heart. Sometimes we fast media and stuff, but we really felt specifically these times where it's abstain from some form of foods. You can do a Daniel fast, and obviously this is uh, as pertains to your medical needs. So the doctor's like, not on your life can you fast. We're not telling you to do that, obviously. Um, that makes sense? Am I making sense? Okay, so Encounter God's this Tuesday, 7 p.m. to 8.30. It's at the New Community Center. Uh, if you don't know where that is, check with us. Or there's maps in your program. Really quick, uh, in your program, which I forgot to bring up here, there's a little red slip that has dates for some upcoming events, uh, one being our camping trip, uh, night picnics, and all of those things this summer. So check it out. I want to go into that too much because I'm probably already going too long. Uh, this coming Saturday, we've had some uh, recent members come to our church, and one of them, Shelby, got her name right, is having a birthday. Not a birthday. There you go. Having a baby shower. All right. Hey, if that's my only mistake this morning, I'm cool. Um, is having a baby shower, and uh, we would really love to support her as a church. Um, and it's this Saturday. So if you can't make it, but you'd still like to give to that, you could, you know, maybe specify in your giving. You could say, uh, you could find out they're registered at Target and Babies Are Us. Um, you can check with us and say, hey, I've got a gift I'd like to give, but I'm not going to be there. Um, just communicate it to us. We'll make sure to get the gift there. And we just want to show love because, one, we love to love people. And, two, it's awesome, a new life coming into this world. God honors that. We want to honor that. If you would like to attend, which we'd love you to be there, it's at the New Community Center this Saturday, June 29th, 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, by the way, those in the women's prayer... They're not doing women's prayer on Monday because of Encounter God on Tuesday because they figured, hey, we're going to have the women and the men pray together this week. Not that they, that's not on their heart anyways. So I got everything, I believe. I'm wrapping it up, Dave. Here we go. If ushers, you could come forward. Um, I'm married. My brain's all scrabbled now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a bad joke. Um, let's pray. <laughs> Father, I thank you that your spirit's in this place. I thank you that you are honoring those who are giving. You're honoring those who uh, are giving sacrificially, and we understand. I pray blessing over households this morning that are really having to just trust you for their finances. And I, I declare of you that God is faithful. He will come through. And I pray peace over hearts that, this morning that would be troubled for those who are looking for jobs, I speak uh, jobs and more jobs. And I thank you, God, that this morning we are seeing breakthrough in multiple areas. But as we receive your offering, Lord, we just declare that we trust you in this area of our life as well. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Grab my All right. You guys ready for the word? All right, we got one person or two. Per <laughs> Who's ready for the word? All right. Turn with me to Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60. Back in the Old Testament there. And uh, we're going to turn to Isaiah 60, and uh, then we'll turn to a few other passages of Scripture. Uh, and so we'll... We'll see if you can flow with me here, but we're going to start here in Isaiah 60. 
as we're continuing our series called A God's Eye View, God has been inviting us to gain a kingdom perspective, to see our life and our world from his perspective, from, from eternity and from his kingdom. He wants us to, to gain his perspective like, uh, like Scott was singing over us this, sun, this morning, saying, God, give us eyes to see and give us ears to hear. That's, what it, that's that prayer, that Lord, give us your eyes, give us your perspective to help us to understand that, all right? So we're going we're gonna to continue just to dive into understanding his kingdom and what the Lord is doing on the earth. Uh, so if you would uh, just take Isaiah 60 here, take your Bibles if you have one, and if you, if you just repeat after me, let's make this declaration or really this prayer. Just say, Lord, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. I open my heart, speak to me, let your word shine on my heart like a light, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen, all right, so in Isaiah 60, the prophet Isaiah says this in verse 1, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So Isaiah or God is, um, the, the way that the prophets worked is that God would speak through these people, these prophets, like Isaiah. And God is prophesying, he's speaking to the people of Israel and obviously to us. He's prophesying and he's saying, arise and shine. And he goes on to describe something that's happening. He says, because God's glory is rising upon you. God is shining on you, and so he's calling God's people to shine. But then he also says that darkness covers the earth. See, we've been talking about the kingdom of God these last number of weeks. You'll remember that we've been saying that Jesus is alive, that he is sitting at the Father's right hand, and that he is leading or building his church. This is, that's one of the most important realities for us to grasp. We live in a very materialistic culture. We live sometimes in a very uh, uh, religious culture. And so these, I, these, these truths, that, like, like what I just said, that Jesus is alive and he's leading his, his church, these things can be just ideas for us. But they're not, it's not just an idea. This isn't a myth. Amen? He really is alive. He really is leading his church. And we've talked about the fact that the kingdom of God, that when Jesus came and he died and he rose again, he brought his kingdom. He brought his kingdom here on earth. And we've said that his kingdom is simply, uh, the best way to understand kingdom is the king's domain. It's where Jesus is bringing God's rulership or God's kingdom here on earth. Another way to understand his kingdom is, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus' kingdom is wherever his will is done. It's when God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when Jesus came to earth, he, taught, he showed us that his kingdom has come. And we've been seeing that his kingdom is increasing. The Bible says that his, the, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That even right now, his glory, his kingdom, his Reign on earth is increasing on the earth, and yet we're living for the day that he'll come back. We've been talking about that. We've been talking about the fact that Jesus is coming soon, that he's going to reward our faithfulness, and God has been giving us this eternal perspective. And so what the, this Isaiah 60 is, is describing to us, if you will, this is kind of a summary of what we've been learning. And it's God giving us a perspective, a kingdom perspective that we need to have. And it's simply this. That the good news is that his kingdom is here. The good news is, as it says right here, your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. That's the good news. Jesus is the light of the world. He has come. His kingdom is described as light. 
and that light has broken in, and his glory is rising in, on, upon us. And then even describes here in the latter part of verse 2 and 3, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light. It's referring to the fact that right now we're living in a time, as we've talked about, that his glory is filling the earth, and people are coming to know Jesus all over the world. We're living right now in the greatest revival we've ever known in human history. People turning to the Lord. People following the Lord. Literally, nations are coming to Jesus. Millions of people every year coming to Jesus. Amazing, unprecedented miracles and, and, and transformation in society is happening right now. That's the good news. That the glory of God is rising. That the kingdom is here. And that His kingdom is advancing every time a person says yes to Jesus. See, we know His kingdom is here because he, His Spirit is in us. When his, wherever His Spirit is, that's where His kingdom is. And so just like Jesus has risen from the grave and He's conquered death, His Spirit is in you if you've put your faith in Him. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ has already begun on the inside of you. The Bible says that we as His church are the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. The Bible says that we are literally the first fruits or, or another way the Bible says in Romans 8 that we have the first fruits of the Spirit. See, a lot of times people will think that uh, they'll kind of do it like this. They'll, they'll say the kingdom is, uh, the kingdom is, is uh, a lot of times the focus of the kingdom is not yet. The idea is that like, here's a little bucket here and you get a little, you get a little bit of things here. You get, well, you get your sins forgiven and then and you get, you know, a few blessings. And, uh, and then, but, 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 but then there's this other bucket called called the kingdom when, when Jesus returns and you get all this good stuff. But if you were here last week, I was talking about Jesus' reign. When he reigns on the earth, he will lead the nations with the law of love. He will conquer death. There will be no, there will be no deceit. There will be no, uh, no one will harm each other. There will be no death. I mean, that's the kingdom. The reality is there's not two buckets. It's one bucket. See, if I say to you, you got a billion dollar inheritance... Here's $100 of it. That $100 represents the billion. It's the first installment of your inheritance. If I say to you, you have the first fruits of the Spirit. I know we're not uh, uh, farmers, but if I say to you, you have the first fruits of the Spirit. Well, if the Spirit is the full harvest, if when Jesus comes and reigns on the earth and makes everything right and restores all things, that's the full har- harvest, you have the first fruits. The Bible actually calls the Holy Spirit the first installment of our inheritance. See, what we're living in is not like, well, here's a little bucket of blessing here, and then when Jesus comes back, you'll get another bucket. No, we're talking about the fact that we have this huge ocean of an inheritance. We have this massive kingdom that the Lord wants to give us, and it's not two different kingdoms. It's one kingdom, one king, and His Spirit is living in you. All that we experience right here and now is like a drop in the ocean of the things that he wants to give to us. It's the first installment of this huge inheritance. And so we live with this hope that one day Jesus will return, he'll defeat death, and he will usher in all of his blessing. But whenever we talk about eternity, we can experience that now. Why? Because we as the church are the people of his kingdom. We're his body. And wherever we are, because His Spirit is in us, we are the presence of His kingdom. We are the people of His kingdom, and we are the presence of His kingdom. That's what it means to be salt and light. That's what it means here in in Isaiah 60, where it says His light has come. His glory is rising upon you. His kingdom is breaking into this world through your life, through my life, through His church. That's good news. Whatever the Lord wants to do redemptively on this earth, He is doing in you and me. And whatever He will do in the future, He is beginning right now. Like last week we were talking about the fact that when He reigns on the earth, there, he'll, he'll, he'll lead the nations with the law of love. Like nobody will harm each other. There, there won't, you won't have to fear anything. There will be no lack. You won't be afraid of anyone stealing from you, robbing you, cheating on you. I mean, can you imagine the rest that you would feel in every relationship and every business transaction? Every person will always think, how can I serve you? And the other will think the same. 
One day, that will be completely the way everything operates. The whole world will be saturated with the glory of God. And yet, as I'm talking like that, every Christ follower hungers for that, longs for it, and yet everyone who's tasted and seen the goodness of God has to think to themselves, now wait a minute, we've experienced that a little. See, when we go to heaven, you will feel complete joy in the presence of God. The Bible says you'll feel exceeding joy. You'll just be deliriously happy. But have you ever experienced just a tiny bit of joy while you're worshiping the Lord? Why? Because you encountered His presence. That was the kingdom. Or have you ever been in a relationship where the blessing of God brought such trust because there was such godliness and faithfulness in that relationship? There was nothing to fear. You were at complete rest in that relationship. That's the kingdom. We are the people of the kingdom. We are hit the presence of his kingdom here on earth. We are the inbreaking. We are the conduits of his glory to this earth. That's the good news. The bad news is, verse 2, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and the Gentiles shall come to your light. The bad news is, in contrast to the good news, is that there is darkness on this earth. We live in enemy-occupied territory. We are light in the midst of darkness. We are the people of His kingdom. The people who have submitted, bowed the knee and said yes to the true king in the midst of people who were rebelling against Him. And so literally, Jesus describes our life as light in darkness, as people who must remain faithful to the king in the midst of opposition, persecution, temptation, etc. Every single believer knows this battle between light and darkness. You cannot surrender to Jesus and not know opposition to his kingdom. The Bible makes it very clear that we will suffer for Christ. Very simple. Because the moment, if I'm going this way, in fact, this is an interesting illustration because it's the, first, it's the first and the only one I remember from when I was 11. Before I came to Jesus, I went to this church and uh, I still remember experiencing the presence of God and uh, I remember one sermon and this was the illustration. Uh, and that, that, by the way, that, was a seed that got planted in my heart and I came to the Lord at age 16. The preacher said this, you can't, you can't be walking, or imagine, you know, those people walkers, you know, those people movers in the, in the uh, uh, airports. I love going really fast on those too, you know, you feel like you're just like flying. Uh, if you're walking with everyone else on those people movers and you repent, you know, the word repent just means to turn, right? Make a 180, Make a U-turn, turn around. You can't be walking in the same direction as everyone else and turn and not find opposition. The people mover is still going that way, and so are all the people. And if somebody turned around and started walking the opposite direction on a people mover in an airport while you're busy and trying to get somewhere, what would you think? Dude, what are you doing? Right? When a, Christ, when a person says no to conformity to this world, no to the worldly values of this world, no to sin, and makes a U-turn and turns around, there will be opposition. Everyone else is thinking, what the heck is wrong with you, right? But here's the thing. I know that you know what it's like to suffer if you're a Christ follower. I know you know what the difference between light and darkness is. I know you know that there is a clash of kingdoms. There is a battle the moment you come to Jesus. You know how I know this? Because the moment you turn around... The battle, guess where the battle first rages? Right here. The Bible says that the moment you come to Jesus, your spirit is born again and your flesh and your born again spirit begin to battle. Oftentimes Christ followers will come to me and say, I'm struggling with this sin and, oh, you know, I don't even know if I'm saved. You know what I tell them? 
If you weren't saved, you wouldn't be battling. You'd just be walking with everyone else. The only reason that we as Christ followers desire the things of God is because our spirit is born again. But you have conflicting desires inside of you, don't you? There is darkness in us called our flesh. There are desires in Galatians 5. It says that your flesh desires against your spirit and your spirit desires against your flesh. There's conflicting desires on the inside of us. In fact, Jesus actually says this in Matthew 16. He says, whoever desires to come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Can you desire Jesus and desire to save your life? Yes. That's the whole point. That's why you have to die to that. The moment you come to Christ and you turn around, you are now light and darkness and light are colliding. You are now in the spirit and your flesh and spirit are colliding. You now have an awakened desire for the things of the kingdom. All of a sudden, it is natural for you to want righteousness and justice and holiness and purity. It is all of a sudden natural for you to want the things of God and yet you have this conflicting desire inside of you to save your life for your own selfish desires, to fight for your rights, and all these things that are in contradiction to the things of God's kingdom. And that battle rages on inside of us, and that battle rages on inside of this world. So the good news is, His light has broken in, His kingdom has come, His glory is rising, and Jesus is doing amazing things in the earth. We're living, like I said, in unprecedented revival. And yet... The bad news, or simply the context in which light is shining, darkness. There is still brokenness in this earth. Nations are still raging against God. There are still conspiracy theories. I mean, conspiracies, real ones. I mean, I should say the theories are maybe not the true ones. There really are conspiracies out there. There really are people who want to rob from other people, commit injustice. There are, really are people who steal people and enslave them in sex trafficking. There really are hypocritical, insincere people who say they're Christians or say they're preachers and really are false. There really are. And until Jesus returns, light will shine and darkness will be there too. What I love about Isaiah 60 is the emphasis don't you? Darkness covers the earth. But, don't you love that? But, because who wins? We win. Nothing can stop Jesus from building his church and causing his kingdom to advance. Nothing can stop him from redeeming and restoring this world because he, God the Father promised it to Jesus and we know that God can't lie. Nobody can stop him. He is absolutely sovereign. And so all the opposition, all the nations raging against God, all the acts of injustice, all the persecution cannot stop him. Darkness will cover the people, but I love this. But the Lord will rise over you. He's talking to the church. You, God's glory, his light will shine upon you. He will work in you. He will change you. He will transform you. He is teaching you how to walk with him. He is making you more and more like him and his glory will be seen upon you. And I love this. And Gentiles shall come to your light. See, in Matthew 24, Jesus, uh, here, we've got to turn there. Matthew 24, Jesus describes this very thing in more concrete terms. They asked Jesus, hey, when are you coming back? Like, how are we going to know when you're coming back? And Jesus says in verse 4, chapter 24, verse 4, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. But all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. See, Jesus says, look, you guys, there is darkness on the earth. There is wars, there's rumors of wars, Right? There really are conspiracies, and then there's just people making stuff up, right? There are famines, there is poverty, there is brokenness, there is oppression and injustice and sin. There are false Christs, there are false religions, there are false prophets. 
There are deceptive things on this earth. He goes on to describe uh, persecution. He says, uh, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence, pestilence meaning diseases, new ones, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, kill you. You will be hated by all nations all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up, deceive many, and because of lawlessness, meaning no love, uh, or because of uh, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Jesus is describing darkness. He's describing the context in which we live. He's describing enemy-occupied territory, the brokenness and the fallenness of this world out of which we've been saved and delivered. But what did he say? Don't be troubled. And don't be deceived. Guys, 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 don't be deceived. You need to understand something. That's just the beginning of sorrows. I mean, sure, it might get worse, but you know, sooner it comes to him to get back. But he says, don't be deceived. That stuff's going to happen. But did you hear what he said? That's not the end. That's not a sign of the end. Earthquakes, famines, wars, rise and fall of nations. That's not the sign of the end. Persecution of the church, not the sign of the end. He says, you guys, that's just the context. Another problem that a lot of Christians make, because you know, one problem is they go, Oh, it's so bad. I hope he's coming back. Well, he must be coming back because it's getting so bad, right? It's kind of a mindset people have. No, no, no. That's just the context in which we're ministering. That's just us living in enemy-occupied territory. But another mistake we often make is we think Jesus is prophesying the state of the world when he returns. No, again, he's just talking about darkness. He's just saying that's brokenness. There will always be people who resist holiness, and love. And there will always be segments of the body of Christ who surrender themselves to lawlessness and their hearts grow cold and calloused and complacent and no longer burn with fire for the Lord or for the work of His kingdom. There will be people who do that. That's what He's saying. And will that increase the closer we get to His return? Sure. Do you know we're living in the greatest revival and yet we're living in the greatest persecution ever and maybe even in the greatest lawlessness we've ever seen. Huge segments of the body of Christ are complacent and cold. Huge segments of the body of Christ are burning on fire for Jesus. Huge segments of the body of Christ are persecuted for their faith. Like in Nigeria, just as an example, massacred. Christians are being massacred in Nigeria, just as a one example right now. Unprecedented times we're living in. And yet in the midst of the worst persecution and maybe even some of the worst lawlessness, yet what did, Jesus, what did Isaiah say? God's light will shine upon you. His glory will rise. And so you'll notice in Matthew 24, the only thing that signals the end of the kingdom, I mean the end of this age and Jesus' return is this in verse 14. And this gospel, and this gospel, the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. He makes it very clear that he's not coming back until people from every tribe, tongue, language, and nation come to know him. He makes it very clear. Did you see in Isaiah 60? God's glory is going to shine on the church, and then Gentiles, meaning nations, are going to come to our light. What he's saying is, in the midst of brokenness and darkness, that's the context in which we live, in the midst of that, the church will shine. It's not going to get, is it going to get worse before he comes, or better before it comes? Both. In fact, I think the closer we get in what's called the Great Tribulation, three and a half year period of tremendous persecution and trials, and is simply the increase of light and the increase of darkness until they collide. And then he returns. What I'm trying to help us to understand is that to be the people of God's kingdom, to be the presence of his kingdom here on earth, means to be light and darkness. And it means, on one hand, this is good news. It means, triumphantly, his church is advancing. People are coming to know him. Lives are being changed. Nations are being restored. I mean, we're seeing uh, uh, 
like in, in, uh, in Cambodia, out of some of the worst atrocities in Cambodia, what they call the killing fields, we're seeing orphans adopted by the church. And then those orphans going out and preaching the gospel. And see, we're seeing a fatherless generation rise up and bring healing and transformation to their nation. That's not the first time that's happened. Yet it's happening right now as I'm speaking. And yet in the midst of that, what I just said, some of the worst atrocities. Light and darkness colliding. And the invitation in Isaiah 60, and the invitation in the Word of God, is to do what? Be afraid? Hide? Be depressed? Be deceived? Be fearful? Be troubled? Is that it? No. But what? Arise. Shine. Do not be intimidated. Do not be afraid. Do not back down. Don't be deceived. Don't get discouraged. Don't lose heart. Don't get worried. Don't be troubled. But the economy, but the economy, the stock market. Yeah? That's going to happen. It's going to happen. Economies rise and fall. Nations rise and fall. Don't be worried. You're the people of a different kingdom. Where in that kingdom, there's no lack. You have a different king and a different provider. You're citizens of heaven who pays your paycheck. You're of a different kingdom. Will people reject you or make fun of you for choosing Jesus or choosing holiness? Yeah, they will. Jesus promised persecution. A lot of times we think persecution is physical. There's really, well, according, these are my definitions. Somebody else probably written a better book on it, but there's really three different types of persecution that I categorize it when I see it in the Word of God. Number one is what I would call social persecution. Number two is political. And number three is physical. Most of the time we think when Jesus says, blessed are you who are persecuted for my namesake, we think that means that you will be physically like beheaded. Well, by the way, that does happen. That has happened in church history. That's happening today. But that is rarely the type of persecution Jesus was talking about. In fact, even if you read in Matthew chapter 5, he says, blessed are you who persecuted and who, when they speak bad of you. He says it. In fact, I, in, I, in 1 Peter 4, <clears throat> let me just read this to you real quick. 1 Peter chapter 4, listen to this. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Right there, if you want to walk with Christ, you will have to suffer the death of your flesh. The death of desires that are contrary to the things of his kingdom. Then he goes on and says, the one who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You say, no, I'm done with that. And he says, that he or she no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. See, the one who is a person who has surrendered to the things of God's kingdom has turned from the things of this world and says, no, I just want to do what God says. I want to know what God's will is, and I want to do God's will. Okay, when that person does that, they're going to suffer in their flesh. But verse 3 says, For we have spent enough time of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and an abominable idolatries. Now, Peter here is bringing up specific types of habits. There are other sins as well. But he's trying to make a point here. He's talking about sexual immorality. Things that are outside of what God defines as pure. He's, de- he's describing uh, 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 lusts and desires for either financial gain. Basically, lust isn't just sexual things. Not just a lusting after sexual things. Lust can also be a coveting of money. It's basically a self it's a, it's, a, it's a selfish desire for gratification at the expense of others. It's that desire for instant gratification. And so as people, oftentimes covetousness is this way. It's not, it's not the desire, you know, I'm going to work hard and God's going to bless me and provide for me. It's not that. It's, that. it's that craving for more and more and more stuff as if that's going to satisfy us. Or in relationships, we desire the sexual morality. It's different than... A lot of times people don't understand that uh, 
that uh, is a huge difference between attraction, godly attraction to your spouse, where you desire them and they desire you and you enjoy one another. It's a huge difference between that and lust, which is a selfish desire to take from someone else. So, so, so he's describing this, and he's describing lifestyles of drunkenness and, uh, and uh, things like that. And listen to verse 4. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Have you, have you ever said, hey, I, I'm going to walk in the Lord's ways and have somebody look at you funny? Or say, that's weird. Some of you, yes, some of you know. I mean, I remember when I was first a Christ follower, came to the Lord, said, I'm not going to drink anymore, guys. Yep, not going to watch those kind of movies, and I'm not going to look at pornography anymore. I mean, like, you got to understand, like, we were pretty out there in terms of uh, what the Bible would call coarse joking. Ephesians 5 says, there should be no coarse joking among you. I mean, I, before I was saved, when I was 15, 16, I was doing some pretty dumb stuff. I said, I'm not going to do it anymore, guys. Oh, they thought I was weird. They thought I was weird. I began to make a radical decision to walk in God's ways. Radical. I said, I'm done with that stuff. I'm done walking in that lust. I'm done doing those things that they did. And, and there were times I fell down. Uh, but I made that turn, and my own family thought I was crazy. Because I chose to walk in God's ways instead of my ways. My own family thought I was crazy. My friends thought I was crazy. And yet, it didn't take them very long to realize something. I was the real deal. It didn't take them long to realize this guy means what he's saying, and they began to respect me. My friends started coming with me to youth group or coming to hear me speak at, when, I would, uh, when I would share the word. Why? Because they knew there was something there. See, people are attracted to light, but because light confronts darkness, they also are afraid of it. And some people will be attracted to you just because Christ is in you. They're attracted to Jesus in you. And some people will be opposed to you, afraid of you, or hide from you simply because Christ is in you. Because they don't want the light to shine upon them. We are the people of His kingdom. That means we are to think different, value different things, talk different, live differently. Light is completely different than darkness. Amen? It's in complete contrast to darkness, and it confronts darkness. I don't even mean that like you're supposed to walk around being like, I'm light and you're darkness, I'm confronting you. No, 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 I don't mean that. I mean simply your love and your purity of heart and your love for righteousness, it confronts darkness. When we, in business dealings, when you refuse to cut corners, when you say, I'm going to serve my customers and be a blessing to them and serve them rather than try to have a business transaction where I win and you lose, when you say, no, I'm going to be a businessman or woman where we win, you're different from the rest of this world. When you say, no, I'm going to do things according to the law, I'm going to do things according to righteousness, that is going to be different. When you choose in your workplace to honor your employer, as the Bible says, speak evil of no one, and you choose to be a man or woman who honors your employer or doesn't gossip in the midst of, a, of other people that are doing that, you will look different. When you're a man and you're hanging out with other men who are joking about a woman in an impure way, and you choose not to embrace that, laugh about that, you will be thought different. You know, that's what the Bible actually says that we're to be, right? 1 Peter 1, be holy as he is holy. You know what the word holy means, right? Different. Light is different from darkness. God is absolutely different from the fallenness of this world. There is no shadow in him, amen? There's no darkness, there's no wickedness, only goodness in God. 
There is no lie in God. He never lies. He's only truth. He's only good. He's only love. Anything that is not of that, the Bible says he hates. God has a strong aversion to anything that is not of his character. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love us and isn't merciful and patient and kind. I don't mean that at all. I just mean that the Bible makes it very clear he hates sin. He's holy. He has a strong aversion to anything that's not of his character. This is why the Bible says that there should be no coarse joking, no foolish talk coming out of our mouths, only thankfulness. We are to talk different. We're to value the things of the kingdom. I made a comment a little bit ago about lust and immorality. Do you realize that the Bible has an extremely narrow view of sex? Extremely narrow. Male, female, for life. You remember when they asked Jesus that question, right? Hey, can we get divorced for any reason? And he said, did you guys read the Bible? He says, for this reason a male, God made them male and female. And he said, for this reason a man will leave his uh, wife, and leave his mother and father, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And what God has joined, let no man separate. See, anything that's not according to God's character, faithfulness, keeping promise, keeping covenant, love, is sin. I mean, right? It's really not that difficult. God is love, love. And yet what's cool is the Bible makes it very clear. The Bible will describe things that are not love. This is really what you read when you're reading the Sermon on the Mount, when you're reading Paul's letters to the churches like in Ephesians. Paul is telling the people what it looks like to be the people of the kingdom. And he tells them no sexual morality. What does that mean? Anything that does not align with God's definition of marriage. Anything that's not of covenant, a husband and wife committed to each other for the rest of their life, is not of God. It's really not that difficult. We, because of the Bible, the Bible says do not be deceived by empty philosophy and human traditions. The world starts coming in and starts saying, oh, is that really wrong? They start getting us to question and think through. The world gets us to laugh at their ideas and their values and think through their philosophies. But we're not supposed to align with those things. We're supposed to embrace the ways of God as it pertains to our marriages, as it pertains to our finances and our money, how you spend your money, so core to the kingdom. Just read the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says you can either serve God or you can serve money. It's not necessarily what you make, it's what you spend. Do you remember that man that Jesus came up to Jesus and said, uh, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, sell all you have and follow me. What did the man do? He went away sad. Did he desire Jesus but want to save his life? Yep. He had conflicting desires. Love for Jesus, love for money. We like to say, oh, well, he would, Jesus doesn't ask us to do that. You know, that was just that guy. Uh, no. No, no, no. He asks you to give all your money to the work of his kingdom and follow him. Period. But what does our culture tell us to do? Go to school so you can make this money, so you can retire. Really? I've never seen retirement in the Bible. No, I mean, there are forms of retirement, but we never stop working to serve the Lord. Is that what we're living for? Or are we living for His return? See, what are you living for? What do you value? What do you spend your time doing? What do you spend your money on? Is the kingdom first? Is the work of His kingdom first? Or have you put other things and other desires first? See, right here in the midst of us, those desires are conflicting, aren't they? And we have to choose to die to self and to walk in the way of the Spirit and allow His fruit, the fruit of His Spirit, His character to be produced in our life. And when we do, we shine. When we choose to walk in God's ways, we shine. More than you realize, simply by you loving people, and choosing to walk in God's ways, you are shining. And don't, be, don't think it's strange. First Peter, in First Peter, he says, don't think it's strange when they mock you. Don't think it's weird that people persecute you. Don't think it's weird. 
realize I'm light. I'm in the midst of darkness. <clears throat> I want to end with uh, I want to end with a prophecy that um, a man of God gave recently. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me get this out. There's a, a, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Leslie Kegel. He's from Sri Lanka. Uh, he is, a, uh, he is an, a leader in our denomination. So for many years now, Dr. Leslie Kegel has been the supervisor or the, the main, I guess maybe the pre, I guess you should say the president, the president over Foursquare, the Foursquare movement in Sri Lanka. So in Sri Lanka, he's been over that movement. He is what I would consider an, ap- an apostle and a prophet by, by, uh, by anointing and by position. He has led that nation, Sri Lanka, in awesome revival. And he's such a man of God. He is uh, he's a godly man. And I love his accent, by the way. So I wish, I could re- I wish you could just hear him talk. Because whenever I read this, I, I hear his accent. He is so gentle, so calm. It's part of their culture. And yet he can bring such a strong word at times. Well, at our convention, our denomination gathers every year. And so in 2000, uh, or recently, what it was in May, end of May or early June, our whole denomination gathered in Florida. I wasn't able to go, but uh, I went online and read things that they were doing and what God said. And Leslie Kegel gave this prophetic word. And I was so blown away by it. I so strongly feel that we as a church need to respond to it. And I feel like the Lord has been showing me these things as well, and, uh, which is always nice. Right? So let me, uh, let me read this, and then we'll, uh, we'll respond. I see an end-time revival of the magnitude of a huge tsunami visiting all the nations on the earth. I see nations, people of all colors, creeds, languages, and tribes, running to the King of Kings to worship and adore Him. I see the Foursquare family rise up as an apostolic movement to play a very significant role in this fast-approaching global revival. This will cause great cities, states, and almost entire nations to turn to God in repentance. The Lord of the harvest is setting the stage for this global tsunami by calling the church unto Him. The world does not know how to repent. They do not know what repentance means. The church, therefore, must model repentance and the world will see, follow suit. Wow. Before we call sinners to repentance, God would have us repent of our sins. In God's dealing with the world and Israel of old, whenever he was about to do something significant in the world, he got his people praying. By the way, I've told you that there are prayer movements and churches moving in this all over our nation. And he's in calling us to it as well. Whenever God's people fell on their faces before God to pray, they always repented and poured out, and, and God poured out His Spirit and accomplished His purposes and plans for that generation. In preparation for the Holy Spirit's end time outpouring, God will call His people to repentance. As we humble ourselves, repent, and obey His voice, God will open the floodgates and cause nation after nation to repent. Turn to him. As Moses modeled before his young assistant Joshua an undying, ever growing passion for God's presence, he would call those of us in senior leadership, because remember, he was preaching this to pastors, to me, to model such passion for his presence before our Joshua's. Those people were raising up. That would be you. And by the way, that would mean you and how you disciple others. As Joshua thus impacted, uh, thus was impacted by Moses, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, as jo- Joshua thus impacted by Moses, rose to be a leader of God's people with a passion for his presence, he would raise the emerging generation of leaders with an undying passion for his presence. They, like Joshua, shall know their God intimately and will become strong and carry out great exploits for their God. He says this, I hear God calling his church to get desperate for his presence. We, the elders of his church, are being called by the Lord to be models to our emerging generation of leaders 
We are expected to show what it is to be desperately passionate for God's presence. The Spirit of God would gently beckon us, His church, to transition out, of, out from the quest for excellence, fruitfulness, and success to growing passion for His presence. It's interesting because the Lord, one of the words that the Lord has been giving us has been shift. He's been saying shift out of self. Shift away from the things of this world. The Bible says friendship with the world is enmity with God. Meaning if you're a friend of this world, you're an enemy of God. It doesn't mean friends of the people, right? Or to be friends of sinners. It means when you love the values of those people, when you think as they think and live as they live, it's enmity with God. But the Bible also says we would confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. See, I believe the Lord has been speaking to me about pursuing His presence. And I believe that this series and what He's doing now, right now, and in the future is calling us to a deeper level of repentance. See, Jesus is saying to us, He's saying, I am the light and I am inviting you into the light. Jesus is saying, come to me. See, the Lord loves us. And he corrects those he loves. Amen? And he's inviting us. That's what I hear the Lord saying. I'm inviting you into my light. And he's saying, let me shine upon you. He's saying, wake up. Arise. There's things in all of our lives where the Lord wants to shine and expose those things that we would repent and pursue him with a greater fervency as a church. And I'm convinced that this prophetic word is absolutely true, that as we do that, the lost will be drawn to us in a greater way the nations, as Isaiah 60 says, I will cause my glory to rise upon you and I will draw those people to you. Amen? Let's respond, Kurt. I can also talk loud. Oh, and then it gets loud. Um, I, uh, I heard Bill Johnson once say that being a Christian isn't saying no to a bunch of different things. It's saying yes to one thing. And that's really kind of what Dave's been emphasizing this morning is that we're saying yes to Jesus. We're saying yes to his kingdom. And um, all that other stuff fades away when you, when you focus on him. So... I really felt, um, I asked Scott if he could lead a set of fire. Just as a declaration, if there's something you need to repent of, I'm not going to ask you to ask the Lord necessarily because you're going to know already. You know, we don't need to be introspective. If it came to your mind, just say, Father, forgive me. I don't want to do this anymore. Help me not do this anymore. And start saying yes to him. Because honestly, you just need to get your eyes on Jesus and not on that. When you lay something at his feet, you turn around and you walk away from it. You don't look at it anymore. You look at him. So um, Scott felt he had something to share. And before he shares that, I want to uh, let you know that we do have prayer teams in the back. Uh, I really felt strongly from the Lord that this morning is a morning of new beginnings for people. That God uh, is breaking stuff off people. Um, and I felt specifically there was um, anointing for healing this morning. Uh, had a word of knowledge that uh, someone's back, any back issues, anything really we're welcome to pray for. But I felt Lord specifically bring up a back and then the third vertebrae down. Uh, very specific. But again, if you have any other back issues, we'd love to pray for you. Bunions, if you have those, you know what they are in your feet. Uh, we felt eyes. And then uh, I also had a, a word of knowledge that um, I had the word eczema come to me. And it might not be eczema. It might just be some skin disease. But I felt like it was something no one else could see, but you're really ashamed of it. And uh, the Lord wants to heal that. He's going to heal that. Um, if it's something, maybe you need to speak with someone of the same gender. We have people of multiple uh, personalities and everything in the back, uh, gender and all that. And so we would love to partner with you. Uh, so if you need to say, Jesus, I'm giving you my all, and then come into the back, feel free to do that because I don't want to take away. You should be able to respond to this and then also receive healing. You might get healed in the middle of worship which has happened and is cool. Uh, so I'm going to pass this off to Scott and as you're going to share and then let us respond. Um, first of all, I, I just 
if you have something that's you know you need prayer for and and it is something that you have feel shame over those people in the back are like they're the worst sinners ever so they've heard it all no <laughs> yeah they're raising the roof back there i just wanted to invite that you know let you know that they, they we've heard it all no, sin does not impress us sin does not grace does grace impresses us so feel free okay i just wanted to let you know that there's no judgment here um and then i had this kind of word okay you know like we have this exciting opportunity to partner with god and it's going to be amazing it's going to be wild i also felt like the lord was saying it is going to be the easiest thing you've ever done in your whole life because the miraculous is by nature his job and so the hardest part i mean this is the good news the hardest part is what you do at home and that's not that hard building that foundation spending that time with the lord and i had this kind of illustration if you're going to make a bow like a bow and arrow like oh, back in the day you soaked that bow and it changed the properties of that bow but it didn't destroy the substance So as you spend time with him and that's literally the hardest part which is not hard that's enjoyable in and of itself isn't it your properties change but your substance is there he changes your shape he gives you purpose he gives you use he gives you strength that bow the new shape it takes has immense strength to do with with the what the father does and i have another word that's kind of similar to that sometimes to maintain integrity and and to walk in the light we have to say no we like dave was saying in business we you know we can't cut corners we can't do things that that other people would be like oh yeah i mean no one's going to see that i can totally get away with it and sometimes the holy spirit will show up in that moment and be like wave off don't do that and it's going to cost you that shortcut but when you soak in his presence your your thinking begins to change and when your thinking changes it actually makes the sacrifice feel safer than cutting the corner wouldn't that be something if your life was so changed that when god asked you to sacrifice something you were like awesome that's way better than not doing that you know like oh yes keeping all this money would be dangerous you know like if i just gave it away i wouldn't have to deal with it i mean that 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 can't come naturally that's just so i just want to encourage you be free of the burden you know let the lord work in you just spend that time with him just just be with him right dave that's it right that's it just just soak in his presence so let's practice <laughs>